0: Amen. Have you seen those videos? Hopefully you've seen these videos that talk about things that you may have been doing wrong your entire life. Or maybe you read the article, it's got some pictures of things that you might have been doing wrong your entire life. Well, I wanna introduce some of those things to you that maybe you've, you've seen before, maybe you do, but maybe it's something that you've been doing wrong your entire life. The first thing, you might've been peeling a banana wrong the entire life. Let's throw up that first one. The correct way to peel a banana is not from the top, not from the stem that what you're thinking, it's from the other end. Maybe that's something you've been doing wrong your entire life. The next one, maybe you've been getting ketchup incorrectly at a restaurant or at McDonald's or at In-N-Out wrong your entire life. Let's see that next one. This is the right way. Michael Bryant introduced this to me about how you just need to like open up the edges and then you won't just get a little bit of ketchup that like you can dip three fries and you have to refill. You can like eat all of your fries and dip them in ketchup. That is something that you might have been doing wrong your entire life. Maybe that blew your mind. The next one, something you might have been doing wrong your entire life is how you peel an orange. You might have been peeling an orange incorrectly for your entire life. Let's see that next one. So the correct way they say to peel an orange is you cut off the top the bottom, put a little slice in the side, and then you unroll it. Maybe you've been peeling off the outside peel. That is the incorrect way or maybe an inefficient way to peel an orange. Maybe that just blew your mind about how you should peel an orange. Notice how all these seem to be like food-related. It's like we've been eating our entire lives, but we don't know how to eat. Like We need to re-go back to kindergarten and learn how to eat. This next one, you might have been eating a cupcake wrong your entire life. Let's see this next one. The right way to eat a cupcake is you slice, you peel, peel off half of the bottom, stick it on top and eat it like a sandwich so that it's not just one bite, is all the frosting. And the next part is disgusting because it's just bread. Nobody likes that. The next one, you might, have you ever eaten Oreos before and you dip them in milk if you're a normal person? Um, and you have that problem where either your fingers get all milky or the top of the Oreo doesn't get dipped in milk and it just doesn't taste as good. Well, this next one may offer the solution to that problem. Stick a fork into the filling and then dip it in milk and boom. You don't get milky fingers and the perfect ratio of Oreo to milk solved. These may have been things that you have been doing wrong your entire life without even knowing Now, there's one other thing that we might have been doing wrong our entire life. Let's put up this last one. This last thing you might have been doing wrong your entire life is what we call worship, specifically musical worship. We do this thing which might seem weird to some every single service when we come here is we do this time where we sing some songs to God. And you might not have understood why we even do this in the first place or how we're supposed to worship God. And this might have been something that you've been doing wrong your entire life. You could have just been mouthing the words, not really thinking about the, the words that you're singing. And you could have been doing it incorrectly your entire life. Well, then the natural question should be, okay, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So then how am I supposed to worship God rightly? If I may have been doing worship incorrectly the entire life, think about how you worship God through music. What is the right way to worship God? Well, fortunately, someone asked Jesus that question about how do we worship? So we're going to look at the answer that Jesus gives so that we can rightly worship God every time through music, specifically talking here this morning. And that question gets asked him in John chapter four. So let's open up our Bibles to John chapter four. We're going to be looking at specifically verses 20 through 24. But at the very beginning of John chapter four, Jesus is traveling. He's going from this place called Judea and he's going up to Galilee. And so in between Judea and Galilee, does anyone know what this region in between is called? Anybody? Samaria. Bingo. Someone got it. So in between Judea and Galilee, there's a place called Samaria. An important thing to know is that the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. They didn't have a good relationship with the other. They looked down on the Samaritans so much so that even when some of the Jews were traveling up to Galilee, they would go around Samaria. Think about it. The, the fastest way to get from here to here is to go a straight line, go through Samaria. But they didn't like the Samaritans so much that, there, that some people would be like, we're going to go around. That's how much these people didn't like each other. But Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't care about that. He's going straight through Samaria and he stops at this place called Sychar. Not sidecar, not, not, he didn't get some donuts, but he did stop by the well to get some water. And he sees this Samaritan woman and asks her, asks her to get him some water, and she's shocked. She says, what are you, a Jew, like, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan? Because once again, think back, these people didn't like each other. And he's like, yeah, I don't care about that. And they go on to have a discussion with one another. And towards the end of that discussion, Jesus exposes this sin in her life, exposes it. Something that she had never told him before, he exposes it in her life. And she comes to realize, wow, this person has knowledge from God. So I'm going to ask this question about worship. So this is where we get to in John chapter four, verse 20. It says this. This is the Samaritan woman talking, says our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Okay, what, what is being talked about right now? So the Samaritans said that on this mountain, talking about Mount Gerizim is where the right place is to worship. That's what the Samaritans said. But the, the Jews said that on Jerusalem is the right place to worship with where the temple is. So she's asking, Which one is correct? Is it supposed to be on Mount Gerizim or is this supposed to be in Jerusalem? What's the right right place to worship? Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. Think about when someone says, hey, hey, believe me. And then they're going to say something else. What is usually that next next sentence? Something that's going to be hard to believe. If I said, hey, believe me, I can dunk. You'd be like, oh, like, uh, I'm not sure. Or believe me, I've got 10,000 TikTok followers, like 10,000. Like, why when I say, believe me, you're like, oh, I better be ready. Something, something's coming that's going to be hard to believe. Jesus responds woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, talking about Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Saying, hey, it won't be about the location. It won't be about where you worship Verse 23, it says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Saying, hey, true worship, I'm seeking true worshipers who aren't focused about these external things, about a specific location. He says it's about worshiping him in spirit and truth with our mind and with our hearts. It's not about a specific location. And then verse 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God wants people to worship him this way. And you need to please God with how you worship him. Think about that. You can make God happy with how you worship. Think about how crazy a thought that is. You can please God with the way that you worship. Let's think back to how John defined worship Two weeks ago, he said, worship is more than just music. It is a recognition and a submission to God. And today specifically, we're just talking about worshiping God through music. But think about it—it's it's a recognition and a submission or a response to who? To God. So ultimately, when we are worshiping, we need to make sure our focus is on God. So write that down for point number one. Keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on God. See, the woman at the well was thinking, oh, it was about this external location, about worship was about being in some place, or that it was about having this right method when that's not what worship is about. You, it's not about, oh, I can only worship God here at the narrow when we sing. I can only worship God at Compass Bible Church. No, we can worship God in any location because it's not about the external things, it's about our minds and, and about our hearts. And ultimately, we need to keep our focus on God when we worship. Now, why, do we, why should we keep our focus on God? Why should he be the focus when we worship? Well, two weeks ago, when Pastor John talked about um, what worship is, we worship God because of who he is and what he has done. Who God is and what he has done. Romans 11:36. 36, say, "'For from him and through him and to him are all things.'" to him be glory forever. Amen. Think about that. Talking about from God, all things are from him. What does that mean that all things are from him? He created all things. He is the creator. Think about that next phrase. Through him are all things. Maybe that one's a little more. What does it mean that through him are all things? It means that he's sustaining everything. So he created the world and now every breath that we take, he is sustaining us. All things are from him, through him, and to him. What does it mean that all things are to him? All things are purposed for his praise and for his glory. This is why our focus needs to be on him because he created all things, he sustained all things, and all things should be for his glory. But there can be distractions to our worship. I think back to, think back to when you take a big test. Maybe I know some people who do like the trimester system, about now is finals time. Think about when you take a test. Maybe it's a big final. Maybe when you get into high school, you take these big AP tests. Very important. Maybe midterms. And I remember like sitting little, little Nathan, like this tall, like as big as Ryan, um, like about this tall and both of them. Um, <laughs> average out the mean. You guys are smart people. You know the mean. Um, so just Nathan, little Nathan sitting in his test, trying to focus in his desk, focusing on this test. I feel like I'm rhyming. Um... And then every now and then you look up at the clock and then you just start like daydreaming. And then like for two minutes, you've been like looking at the clock and you're like, what am I doing? Like, this is an important test. Like, I just, there's two questions that I can't answer because I just wasted this time. Or this used to happen all the time where some person in front of you on their clothing has like writing in the back or it's like a picture. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. Look at that. Look at that picture. Like, they're like trying to figure out, like, it's like, no, that's not a question on the test. Like, what's the person wearing? No. No. Your focus needs to be in the right place. And that's the same thing true with worship. We can be distracted by all these different things, but our focus needs to be set on God. Let me ask you, what do you think about when you, we sing to God through musical worship? Are you looking around the room? Are you like looking up in the rafters, like thinking about that? Are you looking at the band? Oh, look at the, look at the cool instruments on stage. Is that what you're thinking about? Maybe you're like, wow, those are some like fancy lights that they've got up there. Is like, that what you're thinking about? Because it's easy to get distracted by those things. Just think about the lights for a second. Usually when we sing worship to God, here at Compass, we have like, it's darker lights in the audience and then bright lights up on the stage. Think about like, why do we do it that way? Why is it even like that? Well, think about when there's a bright light, what does that do? It it diverts your attention towards that. And the attention is pointed toward these lyrics. And, And what are the lyrics talking about in the songs that we sing? The lyrics are talking about God. So think about even the atmosphere of the room is, is supposed to point our focus to God. We need to keep him as our focus. You can be distracted even by other people by, oh man, like, look at the, I didn't that person in front of me, they got a haircut. Look at that, <laughs> that's pretty cool. What, what are you not thinking about? You're not focusing on God, you're focusing on other people around you. Or maybe you're sitting next to your leader, or standing next to your leader, or you're standing next to someone you like, and you're like, oh man, I better, better make sure I, I seem like I'm really focused into worship, like I'm really singing. Um, I don't wanna sing too loud, because I can't sing, and I don't wanna make that person like, think I'm weird or anything think once again what are you thinking about do you think about other people you're thinking about how how you sound and what are you not thinking about you're not thinking about what you're supposed to be your focus on god think about when someone drives when someone's driving what does their focus need to be on needs to be on the road what happens when their focus isn't in the place where it should be that's when accidents happen. That's when people, oh, I'm, I'm checking in my, my rearview mirror. I've, I did this before. One time I was like looking at the rearview mirror, someone behind me, and the person in front of me stopped and boom, hit them in the back because my focus wasn't where it was supposed to be. And some people oftentimes think, oh, I can multitask. I can uh, do four things. I can brush my teeth and like eat cereal while I'm driving. And I can text while I drive. Why, why do people do that? They think I can do all these things instead of just keeping my focus on one thing. It's because of, it's of pride. They think, oh, I've got it under control. I-, I-, I can do all these other things at the same time. And it causes people to crash. Well, if we think about these other dis- distractions during worship, it comes back to our pride. We need to stop thinking about ourselves when we worship God. Maybe you're like, I don't like the songs that we sing. I don't even like to sing, period. Maybe that's the case with you. Maybe it's, hey, it's boring to me. I just, I don't like it. So super boring. Well, guess what? Worship is not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. And if he says he wants us to worship, which he does, then we need to sing out to him in worship. Maybe another thing that you're thinking about, a distraction during worship, is if you're a musical person, you're just so focused on hitting those exact notes. I'm sometimes distracted to do this. Oh, man, I need, need to make sure I just sound just right. Like, just sound perfect so that the other people aren't like, oh, man, that guy can't sing. Like, I got to sound just right. Maybe that's your distraction if you're a musical person. What does that focus on? It focuses on you. Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, and you're like, I can't sing at all. I, I couldn't even, like explain how to sing, like they're hitting this note and I don't even know where I am, I don't know how to sing. And so I don't really wanna sing out to God because, oh man, other people are gonna look at me weird and be like, man, that guy is super weird, I can't sing. Once again, where is your focus at? Is it on God or is it on yourself? We need to keep our focus on God when we sing. Don't let your voice, whether you have a great voice or if you can't sing at all, don't let that stop you From singing. Let's get the focus off of ourselves and on to God. Acts 16, 25 talks about when Paul and Silas are in prison. Let me ask you, if you were in prison, what is something that you would probably be doing in prison? Would you be singing in prison? Probably not. You'd be like, oh man, like hopefully you don't ever go to prison. Um, Don't do anything bad. But think about it. These people weren't thrown into prison for anything wrong that they did. They casted out a demon in this girl, and they were thrown in prison for that. And what is their response in Acts 16.25? It says, And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. It doesn't say that Paul and Silas, they were in prison. They were like, oh man, this is so bad. Like we didn't even do anything wrong, which they could have said because they didn't do anything wrong. This is so bad. I can't believe we're in prison. No, their response wasn't to focus on themselves about their situation. It was to focus on God. So despite whatever circumstances we're in, maybe you're in a difficult situation in your life. You can choose to focus on God and worship him despite the situation that you are in. Now, what are some practical things that we can do before we show up to service to make sure that when we are singing, our focus is on God? The first thing that comes to mind is that we should pray before we show up. Pray up before you show up. Do you pray before you come into the narrow? Say, hey God, please, when we sing to God and worship and we we listen to the word, please help my focus be on you. Do you pray that to God? Another super practical thing is be mindful of who you sit next to. Is the person that I sit next to gonna distract me from worshiping God or is it not gonna be a hindrance from me keeping my focus on God? Maybe that's something super practical for you to say, hey, I need to change the people who I'm sitting next to. Or you guys are like looking like somebody, oh man, what about this? Maybe that's something you need to do. Be careful who you sit next to and make sure that you're not distracting other people as well. Other thing is we need to have the right attitude beforehand. Usually before we go from announcements into worship, Pastor John says something along the lines of, now's the time where, where we get serious and we, and we put our focus on God. That's our opportunity to switch our mindset from we're having fun outside, we're, we're hanging out with one another, talking to each other, keeping our focus on, on other things to now, okay, now I'm going to get my attitude right, I'm going to get my focus right, and put it on God. Have I made it clear enough about where our focus is supposed to be when we do musical worship? Hopefully it's extremely clear. And I'm not saying that it's easy to do because it's easy to get distracted. We're naturally a distracted people, but we need to keep our focus when we worship. God is seeking people who will worship him rightly. And the next set of verses talk about how we are to worship him with our mind and our hearts. So you can write that down for point number two, worship with your mind, And heart. Worship with your mind and heart. John 4.22, it says in the passage that we read at the beginning, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. So these Samaritans, they were worshiping this this false God. They would take some of the books of the Bible and, and listen to some of them, but then they would not take other books of the Bible. So they would almost make up this own God in their mind that they would worship. And yet the Jews, they would take the entirety of the Bible and they would worship the one true God. So what the Samaritans didn't know, they didn't have a real relationship with God. That's what they didn't know what they were worshiping. Then it says, for salvation is from the Jews. We can have access to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus was a Jew, through what Jesus did on the cross, we are allowed to worship God. Think about that. We cannot worship God unless we are given access through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.18 says, for through him, talking about Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus, we can have access to the Father. We can worship him. And later in verse 23 and 24, it talks about worshiping him in spirit and truth. But guess what? You cannot do those things if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. If you are not a Christian, you cannot worship God with your mind and your heart. God will not be pleased with your worship if you are not a Christian. You might be someone who doesn't care about worship because you don't care about God. You could be living in your sin, doing your own thing. Maybe you're trying to to earn your own way into heaven and not trusting in Christ. I know there's people in this room that are not right with God. And the first step of true worship is to repent of your sins and put your trust in what Christ did on the cross. And once you do that, then you can truly worship God with your mind and with your heart and in a way that pleases God. And once you get saved, your purpose as a Christian is to worship God. We are saved to worship him. I used to be on a basketball team in, in high school, and I wasn't super good. I was like, okay. So I played, I was like on the bench, and I didn't get a whole lot of playing time. And so like, I was on the team, but... You know, I felt like I was just kind of like a spectator. You know, I was just kind of watching the other people, the other people play, but I didn't really feel engaged. I wasn't like actually out there on the court. I felt like most of the time I was just, I was just watching, not really paying attention. Oftentimes, that is the same attitude that we can have when it comes to worship. We can say, "Oh, I'm not." I'm not really worshiping. I'm just watching worship happen. The people on stage, those are the people worshiping. We think of it like if you're at a sporting event, like, oh, you're not playing, you're just watching the people play. Or if you had a concert, you're not playing or singing, like you're just watching the people sing and play. That's the mindset that we can adopt in worship, but that's not what we should have. We are in the game. We are to be participants in worship, not just be spectators. And when we worship God, we need to worship him with our mind and with our heart. You might just show up to service and just be mouthing the words, but are you thinking about what you're saying, what you're singing? Do you think about those words? We need to make sure we're thinking the words that we sing and that we're singing true songs about God. You can write that down for the 1st subpoint: Sing true songs about God. Sing true songs about God. We need to sing biblical truths with our minds. Just a little side point is what kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music? I pulled up the most popular songs on Spotify right now. Just looked at the top 10. Top 10. The most popular songs played the most. You know what's next to about eight of the 10 songs? This little explicit word saying, hey, there's there's bad language in this song. Would God be pleased with you listening to that kind of music? I would say absolutely not. The Bible would say absolutely not. Maybe you say, oh, oh, uh, Nathan, I would never listen to anything explicit. No, not me. Oh, my parents, I'd be so busted. I, I, there, I would never listen to that. But I listen to other like secular music and, and it's not bad because it doesn't say any bad words. Well, think about some of the messages that are being said in those songs. Does the music that you listen to promote sin? Does it encourage sinful thoughts and actions? Does it say, oh, doing these bad things, that's a bad thing? Or is it saying, yeah, let's, let's go out and, and do all these sinful actions. Is that the music that you're listening to? too, because God is not pleased with that, and you might say, well, like, who cares what kind of music I listen to? Whether you know this or not, music impacts you. Music has a massive impact. It changes you. It changes even how you think. It can change how you think about sin by saying, oh, sin is not a big deal. It doesn't matter. It can even impact how you think about God, Maybe you say, okay, I don't listen to any secular music. I listen to to just Christian music. The only, once I click on the Christian section, that's the only music I listen to. Believe it or not, we need to be careful even about the quote unquote Christian music that we listen to. Because there's a lot of Christian music out there that says false things about God. There's a lot of unbiblical worship songs. I've got some lyrics up here. One song says, you probably all know it, it says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Reckless love of God. What does the word reckless mean? Think about a reckless driver. Is that ever a positive thing? Oh, look at that great reckless driver. It's never a positive thing. Reckless, I looked it up. It says, without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Does God not think or care about the consequences of what he does. Is his love reckless? Is that what the Bible would teach? Absolutely not. God thinks about what he does. He cares about what he does. And we can sing this song, but guess what? Is it a true worship song? Well, it's saying unbiblical things about God. We shouldn't sing this song. Another song says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Am I able to say, hey, well, I'm in charge. Holy Spirit, now you're, you're welcome in. If I say you're welcome here, now, now, now the Holy Spirit is welcome because I welcomed the Holy Spirit in. It's not true. Another song says, Christian song, evolving in pursuit of what you said. Evolving, clear reference to evolution. It goes on later to say, if you gave your life to love them, so will I, like he would again a hundred billion times. What kind of view does this person have of what Jesus did one time on the cross for us? Is it a high view or is it a low view of what Christ did on the cross with the crucifixion and the resurrection? Another song says, how high is the one who forgives and forgets all our sin? Does God forget all of our sin? Does he forget? He's omniscient. He knows all things. Does he just forget about it? No. They say, oh, God's love is so amazing that he would choose to forget all of my sin. I say, no, it's so amazing that God knows every single sin that you have done, and yet he chooses to forgive you despite that if you repent and put your trust in Christ. There can be a lot of songs that are under the name Christian, and yet they're saying unbiblical things about God. There's other Christian songs out there that talk about how everyone's saved, how everyone's a Christian, everyone's going to heaven. Is that what the Bible teaches? No. We need to be careful with the songs that we are singing. Because if you're singing incorrect things about God, are you worshiping the God of the Bible? No, you're worshiping the God of your imagination. You made up this God, taking some things from the Bible, taking, pushing out other things that you don't like, and the God that you are worshiping is one that you just made up in your mind. We also need to be singing worship songs that aren't focused on ourselves, just like I said in the first point, are focused on God. Another line of a different popular Christian song. Once again, these are popular. These are ones sung. You probably heard them before. Another one says, you didn't want heaven without us. You, God, didn't want heaven without us. Who, who does that seem as more important? Me? Oh, he didn't want heaven without me. Oh, without me. Is it promote me or does it promote God? Another song, believe it or not, Christian song says, God is madly in love with you. <laughs> what does that even mean? Is Jesus, the, is God the ruler of all creation or is he our boyfriend? What kind of view of God do we have? In these Christian songs that we are singing, we need to be careful. Do you guys know the, the Bereans? Have you ever heard of the Bereans in the Bible? The Bereans. Maybe some of you have heard the Bereans. The Bereans, it, it talks about them in Acts 17, 11. It says, now these Jews, talking about the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word, talking about the Bible, with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So these Bereans, they would listen to preaching. They listened to what people said when they were preaching the word. And they wouldn't just say, oh, that person's preaching it, it must be true. They would say, I'm gonna look and see if the Bible, if what they're saying, if it lines up with what the Bible teaches. They didn't just say, oh, just because I went to a church, that that must mean that whatever the, the pastor says, it must be true. They said, no, I'm gonna go to the Bible and see if, the things that he's preaching, whether it's true or not. And we need to have that same attitude and mindset when it comes to the songs that we sing. We can't just say, oh, we we sung these songs at church or I've I've heard these sung at a church before. That means it must be a good song. It must be a song that glorifies God. It must be true. No, we need to look at the lyrics, the words of the song and, and go back to the Bible and say, are these things biblical or not? Or are they lies about God? We need to be a Berean of the worship that we hear, whether it's at church, on the radio, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Pandora, if you're over 40 years old. (laughs) I don't know if you guys ever used Pandora. My parents do, so not a jab at them. If it's Pandora, be a Berean to what you listen to. But you know it's just as bad as singing songs that are not true about God, and this might be more true about you, is singing songs that are true but you don't understand the song. We could sing songs here of the narrow and yet you don't even understand the things that you're singing. Let's bring up a song that we've probably sung, i probably sung 40 times, Be Thou My Vision. You guys remember singing that song in the narrow, Be Thou My Vision. The first line says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. If I asked you, what what does that line mean? Could you explain? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Maybe you are saying, okay, that one's pretty easy. Hey, God, be the focus of my heart. Be the one that I focus on. Next line. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. I probably just lost most of you. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. If I said, we sung this song at the narrow probably at least 20 times. Could you explain what, what those lyrics are about? Would you be able to do that? Would you say, I don't know. Well, you're not worshiping with your mind and heart if you're not understanding the things that you're saying. Not. Another way to say nothing. May everything else in this world be nothing, save except for you. That's what that line is saying. May everything else in this world be worth nothing except for you alone. Another song that we sing, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. We're gonna sing it after, after this sermon. The first line how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. Okay, pretty, pretty simple line. God, God's love is so great, it's so big that you can't even measure it. That's how great his love is. The next line, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. What is wretch? To make a wretch his treasure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. If I was to say, hey, what does that song mean? Would you know? What does that line mean? That God gave his son, that, that a wretch, that a despicable, an evil person, a sinful person could be saved, could be treasured. The next line, how great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away. What is searing loss? What does that even mean? How great the pain of searing loss how great how in, intense how critical was the loss that jesus went through on the cross and then the second part the father turns his face away alluding to matthew 27 46 when jesus cries out on the cross my god why have you forsaken me think about these songs that we sing in the narrow do you understand the lyrics because you know what the bereans would do if they listen to a song If they were here in the Nara and listened to a song and said, oh man, I don't know what they're talking about. You know what they would do? They would go home. They would look up what the song is talking about so that they can actually worship God with their mind. We can sing these, these deep, complicated Christianese phrases, but if we don't understand what we're singing, it's worthless. We're not worshiping God with our mind. It's just as bad as singing something that's not true about God. In order to sing deep truths about God, we need to know his word. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In order to know if a song is, is biblical or not, we have to know the Bible well. We have to be in his word every single day. We have those DBR group chats set up. Are you a part of that? Are you reading his word? Are you learning things from it? Because only if you know his word, will you be able to know whether a a song is good or not? Or maybe maybe I would ask you, oh, I'll give you a title of this song. And you might say, oh yeah, I know that That's, that's not a good song. And if I asked you why, would your answer be, well, because... Pastor John said it's a bad song because Nathan said it, because my leader said it's a bad song. Is that all you would be able to say? Or you would say, I know why this is a bad song because this is what the song says and this is how the Bible says that's not true. Would you be able to explain that? We need to think more about the songs that we are singing. But we need to go Beyond that, true worship is not just with our minds, well, it starts there, but it's also with our hearts, with our, our inner self, with being genuine with the words that we are singing, with true emotion and excitement. So for the 2nd subpoint, write down, sing with genuine excitement. Sing with genuine excitement. Maybe you're someone who is super thoughtful about, about the, the songs that we sing, thinking through all the lyrics, but you don't mean any of it. Well, that's just as bad. You have to mean what you are singing. Psalm 45, one says, my heart overflows with the pleasing theme. My heart overflows with the pleasing theme, with a pleasing message about God. When I think of the word overflowing, it makes me think of like when I fill up my cup with water. You, do you guys have like one of those like water dispensers. Maybe it's like under the fridge or something. Um, we have another one like by the sink. Do you guys have those? Yeah, no, okay. We got some people. Other people just drink water, use water bottles, so. I don't know, people have different things. Well, I've got that little, the little water faucet out of my house. And sometimes like, I'll be like talking to someone and filling it up and you'll see it like slowly fill up with water. And then you are like look away and then all of a sudden your hand's getting wet because what? It just overflows, fills up over the top. That's the picture that comes to mind when I think of overflow, overflow. Well, think about that. Our minds and our hearts should be so filled with God's word, It should be so filled with a love for God that we just overflow with excitement to worship him. We should be overflowing with excitement to praise the Lord. Some of you guys think that you're too cool to worship God. I know we live in a society where it's cool to not be cool. It's cool to... to, act like you're too cool for other things. Does that make sense? Let me, let me explain a little better. We live in a society where it's like, oh, my teacher says something that we have to do. I need to act like, oh, I don't care about that because that's a cool thing to do. Like, oh, we've got this homework assignment. Oh, nobody cares about homework. Like, it doesn't matter. That's the cool thing to do is to not care. It's cool not to care. And the same thing is true when it comes to worship. A lot of you think that it's cool not to care, but that's not the case. God cares about worship, and and so guess what? The right thing to do, no matter what society says the cool thing is, the right thing to do is is to care about worship, to be excited about it. Maybe you're not an emotional person. Let me translate. Maybe you're a guy, (laughs) just doesn't show much emotion. No, you could be like... A guy or a girl that just doesn't show much emotion, but usually it's more guys don't show much emotion. Like, hey, I don't get like all emotional about it. Like, how am I supposed to sing with genuine excitement and emotion since I don't get all emotional? Once again, you're thinking that worship is about our externals. Showing emotion doesn't mean you're like on the ground, like singing these songs, like laying down, like jumping up and down all around the room. Like that's not what genuine emotion, genuine excitement is. It starts with our hearts. Let me ask you, when, when John says, all right, now we're going to transition from announcements into worship, what, what's the thought that pops into your mind? Is it, "Ah, oh, here we go again. Got to stand up for another like 12 minutes as we sing these songs, and then I got to sit down and, and chill like, is that what comes to your mind? Ah, oh, here we go again. Or is it, yes, I get to praise God. I get to sing to him. Do you have genuine excitement to worship God? We need to worship God with our our mind and with our hearts, with genuine excitement. Matthew 15, eight and nine talks about these people who worship God with their lips, but not with their hearts. They're not genuine about it. It says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You could look like you're praising God, you could be the loudest singer in the room and yet not be genuine, not be real, not be sincere with what you're singing. Think about when you were a little kid or maybe you have like a younger sibling or a younger cousin and they got like a present. They got like a gift from someone and they like, they got the gift and then they just immediately like they turn around and they walk away. And then the, mom's, the mom or the dad's like, like okay, what do you say? And then the kid's just like, thank you. And then like runs around. Like we, we've had that like situation before, right? Like, was that kid sincere? Was that kid genuine with his statement of thank you? Not really. He was just like, oh, I don't really care. I'm just gonna go go off, go away. And we give him a pass because, you know, they're little kids, so it's like they're, they're still learning. But guess what? We don't get that same pass before God. We need to be genuine with the things that we say, genuine with excitement, with emotion. And our emotion, our excitement, isn't to be dictated by the music. We often think, oh, we need the music to, to sound a certain way and then it'll really draw our emotion out. No, our, e- our excitement, our emotion should be a direct response to the truths that we are singing. Let me explain that a little more. Our excitement shouldn't come from, great, we're at Revival and we have an electric guitar player and, and, and a drum set. Wow, now I'm really excited. No, the excitement should come from, Wow, I just sung about, this line is talking about the love of God, about how God is so great. I'm excited because of how true that statement is. That's where our excitement should come from. That's where our emotion should come from in response to the truths that we are singing. God is seeking true worshipers. We need to please him by focusing on him with our mind and with our hearts when we sing, And I'm gonna pray real quick and then I'm gonna grab a guitar and we're gonna do some songs. And this isn't like a typical service where you sometimes apply the message later at home. We get to practically apply this message right now, right after I pray through singing worship to God. So don't take it for granted. Focus on God. Sing with true excitement. Think about the songs that we are about to sing and let's be genuine with it. So I'm gonna pray real quick and then I'll grab the guitar and we'll worship God.